And we are coming to you live, live for the Pledge Drive here on Forward Radio. My name is Justin Mogg, your host for Sustainability Now here on your community radio station, WFMPLP Louisville, broadcasting from here in the historic Haven Building at 106.5 FM. And we live stream to the world at forwardradio.org. We make this amazing community treasure happen 24-7, 365 with two wonderful things, volunteer power and your community support. It's your time to step up and help us stay on the air another year. It's our annual pledge drive, and we'd love you to go to forwardradio.org to pledge what you can right now to help keep the station on the air. And we'll be giving live updates throughout the program today uh, on how we're proceeding towards our goal. We want to raise $5,000 before April 9th, the date of our fourth birthday of broadcasting to the Louisville community. Uh, and we are getting along. We're 8% of the way there. We just started our drive on Saturday. We've raised $407 from great folks like you out there. But we want to get to 5000 Could we get to 500 by the end of the show by 7 p.m. here on Monday, March 29th? I think we could do it. And I've invited in the studio a fine supporter of Forward Radio. With me is Stephen Bartlett. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Justin. Great to be back. Stephen is uh, a part of uh, the one of our great uh, community partners, uh, and that's Sustainable Agriculture of Louisville. Uh, he's also been a guest on this show and others, uh, and is even thinking about maybe doing his own show someday. Uh, and <laughs> and we're, we're so glad to have him back in the studio for our live Pledge Drive edition today. Uh, if you love the work of uh, Stephen Bartlett and Sustainable Ag of Louisville, well, now is a great time to give to the station and help us reach our goal. Uh, and it's a special time to give to the station because we've got lots of thank you gifts that are only available now through April 9th. Uh, if you go to forwardradio.org and click the big orange button that says give to our pledge drive, you'll see what the options are available to you. We've got face masks from uh, Forward Radio from WFMP, but also uh, Veterans for Peace, another one of our community partners. We've got WFMP buttons and pins down at the $15 and $25 level. Uh, we've still got books available like Durable Trades, which you heard about on last week's Sustainability Now. That book is still available at the $30 level. Uh, you've got WFMP t-shirts like I'm wearing where if you're here on Facebook Live with us at, at Forward Radio's Facebook page, you can see uh, me sporting one of our WFMP t-shirts now available to everybody at the $30 level. We've got them in the short sleeve and long sleeve version. We also have WFMP hoodies available. Uh, we've got lots of great handmade items, too. Ceramic mugs, vases, uh, dishcloths, and then a bunch of great items from Stitch, which I don't know if you know about, Stephen, but we got connected with these great folks uh, who are doing work with uh, refugee communities, uh, teaching refugees uh, how to sew. And all the profits uh, from these items go to members of the Stitch Circle. Uh, and they are learning English and, and building community while they sew. It's a great project. Uh, you can learn about it if you go to FordRadio.org and click on one of those items. Uh, microwave bowl pot holders. they got great purses and tote bags. Uh, you can pick up on all kinds of great items uh, only through April 9th if you give to us now. And we'd love to thank you here on air. So go to FordRadio.org and uh, click on... 
uh, click on the big orange button at the top to give to our pledge drive. Uh, we would love to have you be a part of this pledge drive. And uh, we also have, uh, you know, some actual content to talk about today here on the show. Uh, I'm so excited that Stevens joined me again in studio uh, to tell us about the work of Saul and some of the things that have been on, on his mind. Uh, we we, we want to talk about land today because uh, that is really... Uh, something that affects all other things is is access to land, and uh, it's certainly been a part of Saul's mission to uh, to get people access to land in communal ways. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell folks first about um, what is Sustainable Ag Louisville and what's the mission is? Well, Sal, yeah. which uh, which the acronym was kind of we pick kind of picked the title of the organization so that it would make a nice word in Spanish and it means salt in Spanish which is kind of in the old days salts were considered like the minerals in the soil yes, the, yes. Uh, the nutrients the nourishment and uh, also sal salt of the earth um, we are grassroots we get definitely get our hands dirty and <laughs> I know Justin's been one of the fo- stalwart um, volunteers in our Milpa collective yeah, our Milpa yeah, collective yeah, yeah. So we we grow a three three sisters crop every year. Um, the recent years out at Adam Bar and Ray Strobel's farm out in um, Breckenridge County, yeah. and uh, we um, we live quite a bit. We nourish ourselves with the corn and beans and squash that we harvest out of that crop, which which is a very joyous ceremonial. Um, practice uh we've had wonderful ceremonies oh, with yeah, um no. with um uh, indigenous uh mesoamerican rituals uh, to bless the earth um, yeah. to uh, be grateful to the creator for the harvest that we're going to get and it's a way to learn um a very ancient way of growing food that's uh, that is very um effective very agronomically uh-huh. sophisticated at the same time it's it's very um it roots us in in kind of the traditions of this hemisphere you know yeah so. yeah because I, I mean we're, we're we're all able to benefit from without i think co-opting which is always something i'm worried mm-hmm. about um the the traditions of of ancient peoples on this land right and and to reconnect with those i think is really important in thinking about uh fitting in the landscape, right, mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and being uh, responsible citizens on this piece of earth, right? Yeah, and um, I think once, to me, it's the empowerment of becoming a person of the land or a peasant, as they say. <laughs> yeah, is that um, you just you feel uh, completely safe in the in the embrace of Mother Earth because by using some traditional ways of growing things and by respecting and uh, treating well our seeds we we have security we have the security of being able to produce our own food mm. and not have mm. to buy it from um from thousands of miles away yeah. or yeah. even go to the supermarket you don't even have to go to the supermarket you have it in your pantry you have the sacks of corn lying around and you have a corn grinder and you can make your food um it's a very liberating thing and you, you don't have to worry about uh, the collapse of civilization you're a few right. weeks <laughs> <laughs> and as long as you have the good relations and you have access to land you can survive and this is a very empowering thing i think it it frees you up into thinking about 
um, how to be the best self here in community. Yeah. yeah. And it also, it also helps us be a more resilient people. And, and we've learned a lot about resilience in these times of COVID, right? Mm. Um, and when you face a situation where suddenly, seemingly overnight, grocery store shelves are empty and restaurants are closed, you suddenly realize how important relationship to land is. And, and we've, we've learned, too, there's been a lot of talk in the media about the, the challenges of these really long supply chains, as we call them, right? Uh, well, groups like Saul are trying to shrink those supply chains right down to your, mm. your backyard and your neighborhood and your community, right? Well, a lot of it, yeah. Recently, I've been doing work in consultation with the Common Earth Gardens, and oh, nice. in that program, we—it's um, amazing. The a little bit of accompaniment, a little bit of support for immigrants who have found themselves living here in Kentucky. Sometimes, uh, recently, a, a guy from Burundi was telling me he—they don't apply to come to the United States. They are told by the UN Agency of Refugee Resettlement where they're going to go. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like where are you let alone <laughs> let alone choosing Kentucky or Texas or Minnesota or whatever they're yeah, just yeah. they're just kind of told up oh, you're you're going to Kentucky. You know? <laughs> so oh my they have no idea what they're getting into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when they but but they they can now make this their home by means truly make it their home by means of of growing food for the for themselves and their family. And um, it is just it's really an intense moment in the program because we have many more um, such people who want access to land. There's a great demand for land, uh, for access to land. And these people on a small plots in community gardens, many of them are growing in community gardens, 30 by 30 feet, um, they're able to grow a tremendous amount of food for their families and their extended families. Um, and this is, this is really, I mean, it's very satisfying to me. Uh, recently, we just on Saturday, just past Saturday, I was able to introduce a very generous family out in Indiana to 14 Burundian families who are farmers who were recently d displaced from land here in the city. Oh, wow. And they were really depressed, thinking that they wouldn't have any place to grow their food. And these are families with a lot of mouths to feed. Um, when they were introducing themselves to the Indiana farmers, uh, they were also telling how many children they have. And... Um, it was, uh, I have nine, I have 10, I have 12, <laughs> yeah. I have seven. The guy, seven, only seven? Uh, <laughs> and, and so they did a calculation. The 14 families are feeding about 140 people. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so, so having access to just two acres of land, and which they know very well how to make very intensely productive. Um, right, right. And with some irrigation help and a, a deer fence that they're going to buy, uh, they're being they're being advised by the farmer there um, how to have an inexpensive deer fence, and uh, they are going to be producing again for their family, and uh, it's just a great joy. Um, when you think about that, okay, they might not be considered part of the USD, the, uh, <laughs> they won't be getting a lot of cash income, but they'll right. be saving thousands of dollars in food and not only saving money, but growing foods that are appropriate to their culture that they know how that to they eat. That they couldn't even get here, maybe. That they couldn't get here. A lot of them, they're saying, they were trying to explain to the farmer what they were going to be growing, but a lot of them are exotic crops that have, have never been grown, probably in southern Indiana. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're learning about how to adapt those crops to our climates mm -hmm. and soils here, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. 
it is it's such a great opportunity for refugees who come from a rural community often and know how to grow things and don't have all the necessary skills yet to get a job in the formal economy maybe they don't speak the language well enough or they don't understand the system right they don't even have a bank account maybe <laughs> but they can sustain themselves with land right mm-hmm. absolutely um, a lot of these families now have um, older children who, who have been in school, have learned English, and are really understanding the culture in a different way um, and are being able to actually help their parents um, when it comes to marketing, for example. Some of the immigrant uh, farmers are quite active and quite productive uh, vendors here in local farmers yes, markets as well. Yes. And in a lot of instances, their children are helping them with the marketing and um it's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing to see after ten years, twelve years in the United States, um, they're able to really uh, have a place for themselves and really be productive and and useful, very useful members of of our community. Yeah. yeah. And another great thing I love about uh, Sustainable Ag Louisville is that everything is done collectively and in community. It's it's not really about setting up one individual with you know a plot of land, although you know that might happen occasionally, but it's really about growing in community and growing together and then even forming relationships with the products of that growing so do you want to talk a little bit about the great collaboration with la casita center yes last year we were just heartbroken because we weren't able to have our annual corn festival which has been going on for a number of years and um yeah we did however have a good harvest of, of our own corn and beans and um delivered quite a few sacks of corn which is it's a beautiful thing. If you delivered a sack of dry corn to the average U.S.-born family, <laughs> they really wouldn't know what to do with it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the immigrants who are exactly recently, <laughs> recently arrived, they know how to turn that into tamales, tortillas, uh, atoll, all those great foods um, yeah. that we get to sample at the Corn Festival. Uh, by the way, the La Casita is putting on a—you're uh, able to, to support their work this April 10th. They're having a big tamal uh, drive through um, people can go and get tamales, uh, freshly made tamales, uh, cooked in by uh, women who are parts part of La Casita, and that um, and and they can don't you can donate at the same time to the organization. And if you don't have any money and you're hungry, you can drive in and take away free tamales to eat. So it's it's going to be a drive through April 10th. Uh, you can find out more about it at their at their website and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, La Casita Center is such a great organization, helping in so many ways the the Latino Latinx community here in Louisville, uh, and they, they know how to do it so well uh, with such limited resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of um, solidarity, you know, and mutual aid has just been exponentially more important during, mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, although they don't have their center open to the public since the beginning of the pandemic, the hours and the number of cases they have has skyrocketed. They're, they have a large staff thanks to um some very generous solidarity donations from various organizations in the community and churches um they are they have quite a large staff and they've had thousands and thousands and thousands they've been hammered really hard by this pandemic the community the latinx community um, because a lot of them are frontline workers who are exposed and then they live in smaller uh dwellings with larger numbers of people and so the covid has hammered their community very very dramatically um and it's been really hard hard work for them um to 
you know, doing all those referrals for medical care, raising money for people who cannot pay their bills, cannot pay for their electricity, cannot pay their rent. Uh, tremendous um, challenges that the, the whole community faced th this past few months that you can't really imagine. Um, uh, you know, it's intensified great, greatly in that community, you know. I'm speaking today here on Sustainability Now with one of our proud community partners, uh, Stephen Bartlett from Sustainable Ag of Louisville. And we are live for the pledge drive here on Monday at 616 on a beautiful sunny day in Louisville. Uh, we hope you can go to FordRadio.org and click on the Donate to the Pledge Drive button right at the top and pick up on some great thank you gifts that are only available now through our fourth birthday on April 9th. Uh, we've raised $407 so far. But, man, we need to get to a goal of $5,000 by our birthday. And we know we can do it with your support. One pledge at a time. Give whatever you can. If you don't want a thank you gift at all, that's great. More money for us. You can just click on back it and give whatever feels good. Uh, but if you'd like to pick up on one of these great uh, thank you gifts available only now during the pledge drive, go to FordRadio.org and learn about the pins, the face masks, the T-shirts, the hoodies. There's a great idea didn't mention before that it's a great insulated bottle available with a WFMP logo on it at the $80 level. I have had one of these bottles for years now. I can tell you this thing is incredibly rugged and incredibly awesome at insulating your beverages. So keep them warm in the winter or cold in the summer for a surprisingly long time. Uh, I've gone on camping trips and put some ice in when I left home and more than 24 hours later, open it up on a hot summer day and there's still ice in there. It's really incredible. Uh, so you can show your WFMP pride and have a great bottle uh, during our pledge drive only uh, and there's books available too uh, lots of great stuff available only now through April 9th so go to FordRadio.org and uh, support our pledge drive today we'd love to thank you here live on air uh, Stephen can you say a little bit about why you and Sal support Forward Radio? Well I just think it's a beautiful thing to have the, the true voices from the local scene you yeah, know yeah. people who know what's really happening here people who are part of the social justice movements that have been growing i think mainstream media has missed a lot of what's happening at the grassroots that's for um, sure that's for sure and <laughs> you know and it, le it it tends to leave you a little depressed because you say the problems are too big we are too <laughs> we are too few because we don't hear more of the stories about what people are actually doing at the grassroots across yeah. the width and breadth of this country across the world i mean i'm the the thing that keeps me from getting paralyzed and feeling depressed about the situation of the world is that i'm in pretty off pretty frequent um, working relationships with people doing really amazing things. So, I, and I think that's the, those are some of the voices that Forward Radio, um, you know, focuses on and centers in their programming is it's very important to have that that voice raised out in the media yeah and i mean you're not going to hear it anywhere else on your dial or you're not going to find it on television right like this is the place if you support these kinds of progressive voices and the access that for stations community stations like ours give to people whose voices are sidelined otherwise then now is the time to go to fordradio.org and pledge whatever you can we know we know a lot of people are hurting during covid uh, maybe you can't contribute anything 
That's fine. We understand. But some of you maybe are still getting a paycheck and maybe even have fewer expenses than normal because you can't travel. I know (laughs) that's been my situation. So uh, chip in whatever you can. and, And if you can't chip in any money, you can volunteer with our station, too. We're always looking for volunteers and new voices to get behind the microphones, too. And you can learn about all of it at forwardradio.org. Um, let's turn back to this issue of land. What, what do you see as the connection between land and democracy? Well, I mean, land, um, for indigenous people, land is, is everything. It's your identity. It's your place. It's where you have your ceremonial sites, your sacred history. Um, it's where you get your medicine. It's, yeah. it's, it's what feeds you. It's what cures you when you're sick. It's what it's. It's the living embodiment of, of your life. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think it's too easy for us to re- forget that we're actually from Earth without <laughs> without soil, without living soil. We it's impossible for us to us to live. And uh, but people who are rooted to the land and, and live from land are are very well aware of that. Yeah. And and well, and from an economic, if you'd like. Um, point of view, land is the most essential building block to having your own wealth, uh, having your own means to to live it, to live, to reproduce your own life, as they say, that to create your own wealth from your work on the land um, and to create your food and shelter, um, you know, working as a subsistence farmer on a small piece of tropical farm in the Dominican Republic for, for many years uh, brought home to me just what it means to really be... Um, Married, basically married. You're you're in a close, intimate relationship with land because you rely on it completely. Um, you can't control it. Um, you can you can do what you can to improve your odds of having successful harvests, right, for right. example. But you have you are dependent upon it, and I think that's the lesson we all need as humanity to understand: we are dependent on Mother Earth, and and I think that that awareness is what we need to to restore among the majority of people so that we we have better policies and that we we undo the we decolonize our thinking um, we tear apart this profit motive uh, of greed and wealth concentration that that so dominates our economy so all those lessons i think come from land and bottom line if you have land you have the means of wealth of creating your own wealth and without land you are really dependent um, you become um, an object of either a consumer of wage laborer, maybe against your will to become a wage laborer. You know, the, the shift from people owning their own land and having their own business farms to becoming a wage laborer. It's that's, that's a, an abrupt breach of, of kind of the basic self-reliance and self-determination of yeah. people's, you know? Um, yeah. It, we saw in the rural areas that, that, you know, the land tends to be colonized because outside forces are extracting wealth from the land mm. that farmers are working. And that's why farmers have been going bankrupt in, here in the United States and across the world because they're subject to an extractive economy that's mining the land, that's not paying them what the true value of what they're producing. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, when you think about when the Europeans uh, first came to the New World, that was the the big the big thing that they changed they said for the native people land was not something to be it wasn't a commodity it was it was the <laughs> yeah. basic thing of life itself and the idea of owning land was absurd to them yeah yeah, yeah. 
Well, and the other thing about land is certainly in 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 pre-capitalist times when land was held in common, but even today, I think when you own a piece of land, I think connection to land puts you in community. There's just mm. no way to not have neighbors. I mean, mm. I guess you could have your own remote island in the middle of the Pacific or something, but basically everybody <laughs> who has access to land has community mm. in, in some sense and has to understand how to maintain good relationships with other people. Uh, and that, that mm. that's really a, a unifier, I think, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people with land rely on each other because um, they know that you, you're really um, not in control of much of what happens and therefore things happen and therefore you need your neighbors and yeah. so there's a strong reliance on on mutual help uh, mutual solidarity among neighbors is a is a strong value among rural communities so i think that's another good lesson okay. here in the urban areas i th- I, I don't want to say that we're not we're not good neighbors but um we don't have an economic reason in many cases for being in mutual aid, though I think the right. pandemic, though I think, has really shown that we really do, um, we really do need each other. Everyone needs everyone else, um, but it's easier to forget that when you're earning a living, uh, earning a decent salary, you have your car, you come and go. It's the only place where you sleep. It's not really an economic uh, place where you produce necessarily. Uh, although now we're working at home, many of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think. Part of my idea of how you know how to move forward as a is to create more intentional communities to build up our strength mm. and our community wherever we live, you know, mm. and find economic means. Which is why, actually, I bought a house because it was close to the community garden oh, nice. that, that I rely on for my own food. Um, so I feel like there's an economic reason for being there, and um, and then the neighbors, when I'm coming to and fro from the garden, I also share in the produce. And and during the last years, during the pandemic, we couldn't have garden camps, so we we intensified our gardening. Um, basically, planted all the walkways. Oh wow! <laughs> as well, <laughs> and had such a surplus that I was actually opening up a farm stand on my front lawn. <laughs> nice. Just just putting up a sign at the corner and I was able to sell quite a bit of the produce, uh, that I, that we couldn't consume ourselves, um, and neighbor or give it away. Cause yeah, yeah. honestly, if, if you had come and you just needed food, we, we would give it away. So, but that, yeah, I think, um, I see the future as being much more localized economy that way. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk too about the connection between land and health. And I guess a great, uh, example of of that is the three sisters plot mm. and how um, let's talk more about what those three sisters are but they they, they not only create a, a healthy sort of ecosystem on the land but a healthy diet too right mm-hmm. well when you think about what what nowadays um, people's ideas about healthy diet I mean basically you just need whole pure foods that are uh, vigorous that have the right. nutrition and when you think about the three sisters it's just three crops but it's a staple food, corn, and it's, and if you grow your own heirloom corns, it's higher in a lot of nutrients than kind of the kind of corn you might get otherwise that, that's grown with chemical fertilizer, et cetera, that's kind of uh, hybrids that are high-yielding, but they don't have as much protein and that kind of stuff. So you have your heirloom corn, you have the beans, which are a strong source of nitrogen and other protein proteins. Yeah. And then you have the squash, which got all your beta carotene and and and, and good. It's a good complex carbohydrate. And and then and then a lot of people don't realize that 
the squash means you have a lot of greens too, because in many traditions, the the leaves of the squash plants are also eaten, right? Yeah, as well as the leaves of beans. A lot of cultures eat the leaves of beans as well. And so that's the basic. The three sisters is kind of they're kind of like the mother crops of the. Of course, a lot of people who grow three sisters will also grow herbs and vegetables yeah. and yeah. other things on the out mixed in with the three sisters. But the three sisters themselves, they they help each other mutually. The corn is a is a, is a structure for the beans to climb. The beans are fixing nitrogen right at the roots of the corn, which helps the corn be more vigorous. And then the squash uh, has these prickly little hairs on their leaves, which prevents a lot of pests that are uh, natural pests to the corn from reaching the corn. And not only that, there are chemicals in the in the in the uh, leaf of the squash that is very beneficial when rain falls and it comes down into the soil. It's a very beneficial enzyme for the corn and the beans to grow in. So there's an amazing, I, it's amazing to think that these three crops were grown together for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, and they were selected and adapted uh, in a way that was extremely symbiotic the three sisters are actually symbiotic to each other as good sisters in a family <laughs> yeah, are want to be <laughs> hopefully <Yeah. laughs> we always hope yeah. uh, it's a little more complicated than the human relationship but um yeah i mean the, the fact that each of these plants can serve different functions in community means mm. we don't need all of what industrial agriculture mm. says we need in order to produce corns acre acres and acres and acres right. of just corn and then acres and acres of just soybeans and who grows squash industrially anyway but maybe maybe you could with the right chemicals whereas you don't you don't need any of that if you just grow them in harmony and use their natural talents to complement mm-hmm. each other right mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm ch- kind of amazed still in a third acre on a good year in decent soil we're able to harvest between 1,200 and 1,500 pounds of dried wow. corn, a couple hundred, 100 to 200 pounds of dried beans, and a couple tons of squash. Those, wow. th- that's in a good year, I have to say. But, <laughs> but that can feed, that can be the substantial amount of the food that six, seven, eight families can, can live yeah. on in a year, you know. Um, and that's just a third of an acre, right? So then you can rotate that crop around because corn, right, right. corn, um, you know, takes more than it get than it gives back to the soil, and uh, it's less, it's 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 more more sustainable with beans and squash grown together. But nevertheless, you want to rotate it from year to year if you can, and um, you know, then you have other crops. And crop rotation is a big deal. It's very important in agriculture, and so that allows you to do a lot of crop rotation rather than having wall to wall corn and then wall to wall soybeans and like. Yeah, that's it's just it's amazing. It's just staggering, really. When people from around the world come and see the vast, I mean, you drive for hours and you always see yeah. corn, and they're like, "Who owns all that corn? Where are the houses? You know, who's eating all yeah. that corn? Yeah. Is it, oh, it's animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ethanol and animals. Ethanol. Yeah. And our cars and our animals is eating it all. Oh my yeah. gosh! I'm speaking today here on Sustainability Now with Stephen Bartlett. Uh, he represents our one of Forward Radio proud community partners, the Sustainable Agriculture of Louisville, and he's part of the solution that keeps us on the air. We're so grateful to have Saul as a community partner for the station, and you could be one too, either as an individual 
donating now during our pledge drive, which runs through our birthday, our fourth birthday on April 9th. Or perhaps you are part of a nonprofit organization or a local business and you'd like to help underwrite this station. You can go to FordRadio.org and learn about all of those options right now. And if you click on the orange uh, donate to our pledge drive button right at the top of the page, you can see some of the thank you gifts that are available now through April 9th uh, for you to pick up on for your pledges at different levels, starting at $15 and going all the way up to our $500 level, which would be an amazing gift to Forward Radio. And in exchange, you could get a local artist to paint you a fantastic portrait of your pet or other subject. All you got to do is send a photo. It's a no in-person visit is necessary and you can get your own custom painting. Uh, what a great way to remember a pet maybe that's passed or uh, bring whatever you want to life via art. Uh, you can do that uh, by giving to our pledge drive right now or you could just give and, and not get any thank you gift. That's all welcome. Uh, we haven't gotten any pledges yet this hour. You could be the person to be the first pledger to sustainability now. Let us know you're out there listening and you support this station. Uh, go to forwardradio.org and give what you can right now uh, and we can thank you and hopefully get up to maybe $500 by the end of the hour. That would be 10% of our goal of five grand by the end of this pledge drive. We can only do it with your support. So go to forwardradio.org and help us out right now. We'd love to see these numbers bump up during the hour. We're live here at 6.33 on a beautiful Monday afternoon broadcasting on WFMP 106.5 FM and live streaming at forwardradio.org. And I'm so delighted to have Stephen Bartlett here in the studio with me helping raise money for the station and <laughs> telling us about the importance of land. Maybe we should raise some land for the station too. No, <laughs> we've got enough volunteer activity right now. <laughs> Don't need to all become farmers too, but we do need to sustain ourselves outside of the station. So yeah, maybe if we had some healthy food, that'd be awesome. Um, so you mentioned the Dominican Republic, and, and this moves away from the issue of land a little bit, but you were just telling me before we started about how your family's already getting vaccinated with the Chinese vaccine, right? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Um, when the last uh, administration um, went sent uh, the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, down to um, Santo Domingo for the inauguration of the newly elected president, um, Abinader, down in Santo Domingo. Abinader uh, wanted to show how, how loyal he was going to be to the United States. Um, and so they had Mike Pompeo come and give a speech and uh, Mike Pompeo started bashing the Chinese in his speech <laughs> in the Dominican Republic. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, the Chinese ambassador was kind of insulted by, by giving a seat in the la in, in the back <laughs> row of, at this event. And nevertheless, the Chinese, uh, when, when the Dominican Republic were like desperate to get vaccines and they were, they had been told they could get the Pfizer and the Moderna from the United States, that they were going to get vaccines. But then that turned out to be a hollow promise. Um, <laughs> there, there were no Pfizer or Moderna vaccines coming from the United States. Um, and one day the Chinese just boom came out with, they just brought a shipload of, of uh, vaccines. And I, I heard from friends way in the far Northeast of the Dominican Republic. Oh yeah. And they're being vaccinated at the local high school was the site of vaccination. Um, so my relatives in the capital recently just got vaccinated with the Chinese vaccine. And um, yeah, I mean, this Chinese diplomacy, it's vaccine diplomacy. Yeah, vaccine as they say. diplomacy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite an amazing thing um, when you think about China, the role they're playing. And I, I lived in China for two years and 
I was fascinated by the Chinese agriculture at the time, which I think has been kind of the, fi the victim of their tremendously rapid modernization. But nevertheless, China, um, they don't have a huge army or military. I mean, we're, we're always talking about what a threat they are, but they are no military threat to the United States. Um, yeah. Yeah. They are, I think they're, they're trying to pr play a responsible role now in the world. I mean, they have their own interests, of course. Right. But um, <laughs> but isn't that a better way of, um, you know, attaining your interests and your goals by providing PP PPE, providing tests, providing... I mean, they've provided to so many countries around the world. They've provided, uh, and now they're providing vaccines, massively produced in Chinese pharmaceutical companies, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, or even pre-pandemic, just infrastructure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, whereas U.S. diplomacy seems all about the stick, you know, yeah. and very little carrots. <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of what's, what's got us into the situation of being seen as the police of the world rather than sort of a benefactor of the world. And that, that's a difficult mm -hmm. situation for us to be in as a nation, I, I think. Well, what, what else is making you hopeful in these times? Uh, you want to comment at all on the Biden stimulus package? Well, I think it's, it's quite hopeful. I think some of the, some of the movement in Washington is, is quite hopeful. And I haven't got my stimulus check yet, but um, I, I presume it's coming. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I think this kind of, I think we got to get away from this austerity um, kind of economic model. Yeah. I mean, I think it was always, it was a, it was a fake thing that we were going to it was going to be a disaster if we had a big deficit evidently we're the country that prints our own money yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's an international money you know we have a huge advantage of over almost any country in the world because of the power of the dollar and that sort of buffers us against uh having when we have a big debt oh well we can we can <laughs> can print some more money but uh yeah I think that, um, yeah, it's it's positive. And I think what I've heard that the infrastructure plan that he's also um, starting to talk about has a lot of the Green New Deal um, content yeah. to it. You know, it's, it's amazing yeah. how, okay, Bernie, he got, you know, he got knocked out by that confluence of establishment Democrats all piling up on him right. during the primaries. Right. Um, but he had a huge base and he still, and he brought the vote. I, I mean, he and the Black Lives Matter movement and the, the mobilizations that took place, I think we have to not forget that that's what, the reason Biden is in office is now be, is because of Black Lives Matter, because of our revolution, whatever you want to call Bernie's campaign, that message about economic justice, um, that that's that's why Biden, and I think he, he must recognize that he has to pay back. He has to give us something. So, yeah, I, th I see some positive movement in that respect. I mean, it's not everything we want. He's a neoliberal. He's imperialist. I mean, he's he's going along with the same anti-Cuba, anti-Venezuela rhetoric, and he won't talk to the actual president of Venezuela, et cetera. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Um, but Democrats and Republicans are all on the same page with that because they're all, they, they respond to their donors, and their donors are united in opposing um, any kind of true democ democratization around the world because that is a threat to their bottom line. You know, we we extract so much wealth from around the world that we don't want the people to actually get their fair share of the wealth in their own countries, and that's unfortunate. That that's sort of built into our into the into the political 
context that we live in right now. Um, I'm, yeah, that's that's a big challenge. I'm I'm in regular contact with folks in um, in Haiti who are having a huge. Uh, problem with their government. Again, Haiti is another example of a country that because of U.S. interventions and because of the way that they've been treated, um, the dynamics that their government has been weakened to such a, a degree. Um, when they did have democratically elected governments, they were they were overthrown with coups. I mean, Venezuela now is under threat of all that, but they've been able to hold uh, hold on to their democratically elected government and um, but they are struggling um, my my contacts are there working with farmers to to feed the people because they are not able to to import much anymore and um, their oil revenue has been is uh, been extremely limited because of the blockade their finances every all those things are weighed against them they're, they're in the in the camp with Iran who are under terrible sanctions oh, yeah. right and so far Biden I think Biden's going to have to like the Iranians say, like we were the ones who got who pulled out of their the agreement, so you can't impose conditions on us. You have to take the first step to restore that agreement. I mean, yeah. this you've got to relieve relieve Iran of the sanctions that are hurting the people so badly. You know, uh, so there there are some things that we really need to push the, this administration on, but I think we need to also um, have their backs. And we need to make sure that they are able to move forward, to get rid of the filibuster. Oh yeah, <laughs> and start to start to use that majority that we have in both both the Senate and the House. Start pushing through this legislation. We just got to do it. Got to take advantage of it when we can. That's really the only way that they're going to hold that majority in yeah. in the next midterm elections. You know. Yeah. Well, and on the domestic scene, last week Biden made one of the strongest statements in a president has made in <laughs> decades, right? In support of uh, unions. Yes. Uh, when the the workers began voting in Alabama about oh, unionizing the workers of Amazon. Mm. And I know that the vote is just wrapping up today, I think, on that. And they're going to start counting ballots there. Mm. Um, I mean, that that's, that's hopeful to me that... Uh, you know, the Democrats don't even seem to be seen as supporters of workers anymore, which used to be sort of right. the, the fundamental base of the Democratic Party. But they have moved away from that a lot lately. Yeah. So this seems like a good direction for the Biden administration. At least he's talking it about it. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> Bernie's the one who went down there to visit the workers. So, that's right. That's um, right. Along with uh, Danny Glover and other people. Um, but that's very hopeful. And it, I think it's another example of how the Black Lives Matter movement ha has many different forms. Takes many. In this case, bl mostly black workers are That's leading right. the way to unionizing one of the m biggest corporations in America, Amazon, right? And that would be the first shop that would that would have a union in in, in that Amazon kingdom or empire. That uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it used to be known as a forest, and now it's a kingdom, the Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it's all. Uh, a part of the broader story of wealth concentration in mm -hmm. America that has been so problematic and really one of the most fundamentally unsustainable things about our, our culture in the U.S. is this endless concentration of wealth and that only happens if you're exploiting others and if you're exploiting land, right? Yeah, workers, land. Um, yeah, I think the, um, to my mind, the message that really is resonating now, and I think it's, more and more people really f understand this is that this is not a sustainable situation. This concentration of wealth where, what, the 0.1% uh, 
own as much wealth as the ninety yeah. percent of, of people in the United. That's just in the United States. In the United oh, States, if you look right? globally, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's not democratic in any way. <laughs> that shows <laughs> that, and that reflects that their the democracy is, is has been hollowed out in a sense. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Well, uh, we're nearing the end of our time together, Stephen. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you really wanted to uh, share with our listeners before we go to our community calendar? Well, I'd just like to invite people to um, think about growing something this year if you're not yeah, already. Yeah, do it. Yes, um, yes. You can do it in so many different ways. One or two seeds in a little pot, and you'll have something to love there in your windowsill and then be able to eat later on. Um you know, join an organization that's doing food justice work. Um, you could join one of our um, garden out outings or help us plant the milpa this year. Um, you know, come on out to one of our gardening parties. Just let me know, you know. You could call me at 502-415-1080 um, or go to our website, sallouisville.org. Um, Sal with one S A L S A Louisville dot org S A Louisville dot org and uh, get in contact with us. Um, so yeah, I think it's this is it's in our blood. The the sap is rising not only in the in the trees but also in us two leggeds. And uh, we're having, I mean, with people more and more vaccinated, uh, uh, people feeling a little more liberated, a little less fearful. I think this is going to be an awesome spring. I think I think we're going to have great crops. We're going to feel so healthy eating all those fresh greens and vegetables yes. from our gardens. You just feel that vigor of, of Mother Earth um, and watch the migrating birds coming. Uh, I don't know if you heard. There was a great story on uh, fresh air for, about the migratory birds. They say at night, if you watch the moon, you can see the birds pass. There's so many birds migrating at night. You don't see them. We we are totally unaware oh, right. that birds are migrating by the millions overhead. But if you watch the face of the full moon, you can see them crossing the moon. Uh, oh, yeah. that would be magical. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. That's a great note to end on. But I know you brought your, your horn with you today. I don't know if you want to play us uh, out with a little tune to hmm. bridge us over to our community calendar. That's it. That's that's Stephen Bartlett from Sustainable Ag Louisville. Thank you so much for that little tune, Stephen. You can see him out on the Big Four Bridge playing his horn and uh, at, at many local protests. And we invite you all to stay tuned and support us here at Forward Radio. We're live on sustainability now, hoping you'll go to forwardradio.org and back us during the pledge drive and pick up on some great thank you gifts. Uh, we have a goal of $5,000 by our fourth birthday on April 9th, and only you can help us get there. So Please, one contribution at a time, whatever you can afford, helps sustain this great community treasure. Uh, and with that, we're going to go to a quick break and come back with your community action calendar for the week. So don't go anywhere. It's going to be good, my friends. Lots of ways to get involved in sustainability this week. So stay tuned. Secando la llama buena, ay, 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 ay. 
And with a little bit of Appalachian behind me now, many thanks to them for giving us permission to use their great local music on the podcast versions of our programs. You can find archived at floridradio.org. If you ever miss a show or want to hear it again or share it with someone you love, you can go to floridradio.org and find our uh, all of our podcasts there on SoundCloud. And uh, so you can learn more about Appalachian at Appalachian.com. You're listening to a special live edition of Sustainability Now right here in the Haven Building, broadcasting at 106.5 FM on a Monday, beautiful Monday afternoon, 6.50 p.m. My name is Justin Mogg, and it's time for you to get your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and get ready to take action for sustainability this week. Coming up on Tuesday, March 30th at 3 p.m., the Louisville Sustainability Council is going to be hosting a green convene on commercial energy assessments and energy efficiency project financing. Who says your business or organization can't go green and save money? The Louisville Sustainability Council will be hosting this virtual green convene, highlighting energy assessment services for commercial energy customers while discussing financial assistance resources available to help implement energy efficiency recommendations that result. The program will provide an opportunity for commercial building owners and managers, including nonprofit organizations, houses of worship, and schools to come together to share ideas about conservation and sustainability practices. It'll feature Kentucky Pollution Prevention Center and Louisville Climate Action Network with guest speakers from LGE and Louisville's Energy Project Assessment District or the EPAD program. You can get details and register for the March 30th, 3 p.m. Green Convene at Louisville Sustainability Council.org. Now, coming up next weekend, April 3rd. It's going to be a Beargrass Creek community sweep. We're going to be cleaning up the Beargrass Creek uh, from Butchertown to St. X from 9 a.m. to noon. Be meeting up at uh, Logan Street and Breckenridge. Beargrass Thunder is hosting this event and seeking volunteers who can help clean up Beargrass Creek with us. The creek is an important aspect of our community and an area we wish to maintain as it is a home to many native species. We want to keep the area clean for our planet and animal friends and our community to enjoy. Find a link uh, to sign up to volunteer at facebook.com slash Thunder. And that's Saturday the 3rd from 9 a.m. to noon. Now, coming up also on Saturday, uh, a little bit later at 1 p.m., the, there's going to be out at Bernheim in Claremont, Kentucky, a Saturday wildflower walk, early spring wildflowers and weeds. A great way to learn about spring wildflowers is to follow their progress from blood, uh, bud to blossom over several weeks. Each stroll provides engaging stories on wildflower adaptation, ecology, folklore, and history. Space is limited for safety, so register early. Social distancing and masks will be required and no pets will be allowed on this hike registration and payment uh, it's ten dollars for members and 12 for non is due by 4 p.m on this friday you can call 502-955-8512 or go to bernheim.org to register 
also out at Bernheim on Saturday. If this sounds more your speed, uh, at 2 p.m. there'll be a first Saturday nature hike. You can join Bernheim Naturalists for this family-friendly 45 to 60-minute nature hike on the first Saturday of every month, including this April 3rd. Each Saturday will feature a new hike to a different place for exploration, adventure, and a little bit of learning. Space is limited and social distancing and protocol will be enforced and masks are required when family groups are within six feet of each other. Uh, again, it's $5 per person with registration required by 4 p.m. on Friday. You could call 502-955-8512 or go to bernheim.org to register for this great event. And uh, I got a little bit of time to tell you about some other things you might want to know about, uh, including uh, the possibility to get some trees. Uh, there is going to be a tree planting in Iroquois and Beachmont neighborhoods by Louisville Grows. They're working with residents to improve the green infrastructure, and Louisville Grows assists residents with selecting their trees, providing information, and addressing their concerns to ensure that they are successful tree recipients. Louisville Grows will plant multiple and attach a water bag to each tree this spring. So if you live in the Iroquois or Beachmont neighborhood and are interested in a free tree for your yard, you can contact them. So to find the link to request a tree, go to facebook.com slash Louisville Grows, or you can reach out to Jacqueline at trees at louisvillegrows.org or give a call at 606-356-3031. Uh, also want to let you know that there is an online exhibit confronting racism in city planning and zoning. The Louisville Metro Office of Planning and Design Services, with support from Metro Council, Mayor Fisher, and the Planning Commission, is in the process of reviewing the Land Development Code, uh, to, as we talked about on this station before, to address and identify land use regulations and policies that have inequitable impacts on Louisville residents. This interactive exhibit begins with a basic introduction to zoning and land use regulations and then dives deeper into the specific policies, people, and regulations that have shaped the city of Louisville. The goal of the Land Development Code reform is to have a series of ordinances passed amending the current development laws to promote inclusionary land use opportunities. You can explore the online exhibit through a great story map that is available with a slightly complicated URL, so get ready to write this down. It's ARC, A-R-C, g.is slash jv4ds arcg.is slash jv4ds you probably find a link to it through uh, uh, louisvillemetro.gov as well uh, but that is uh, a great online exhibit for you to check out about the land development code and racism in city planning and zoning and that about wraps up our community action calendar today. Uh, and we're getting towards the end of our show, and we would love to have your support during this pledge drive. If you can go to FordRadio.org right now and click on the orange button at the top, you'll see all of the thank you gifts available to you only now through the end of our drive, celebrating the fourth anniversary of broadcasting to our community. It was on April 9th, 2017, that we powered up the transmitter here in the Hayburn building and began broadcasting the voice of the people back to the people here in Louisville and we soon added the live stream you may be listening to online at forwardradio.org and the podcast available anywhere in the world 
And now, what's really special about 2021 is that we are marking our independence as a new 501c3 nonprofit organization. We were launched by the Fellowship of Reconciliation, and we are now birthing into an independent organization uh, that will continue with the same mission of broadcasting the people's voice here in Louisville. And we can only do it with volunteer power and with your support. So go to FordRadio.org and give generously during our pledge drive. And again, as a reminder, you can pick up on several great gifts that are only available now during the pledge drive, whether you want to support your WFMP pride to the world with a t-shirt or a face mask or a long sleeve tee. We've also got a great hoodie available to you at the $50 level to keep you warm all winter long. Or there's that insulated bottle I mentioned earlier, which is another great way to sport your WFMP pride. And then we have a bunch of handmade items from the Stitch Project helping uh, refugees here in Louisville. Um, and you can pick up on potholders and totes and purses. Uh, they've got ultra suede pillows just in time for derby with uh, some great derby themes available you can pick your choice or the kitchen boa which is a, a scarf you wear around your neck that has kitchen towels on each end it's great for drying your hands or wiping things down while you're cooking or picking up hot pots a great great thing to have handmade right here in louisville and uh, we also have books available at different pledge levels depending on your interests and uh, including the book that we featured here on sustainability now last week durable trades by rory groves you can pick up a copy of that at the 30 dollars level just go to fordradio.org right now click the orange button at the top and see all of the options available to support the station right now during the pledge drive we really appreciate everybody who's chipped in so far and got us to eight uh, percent of our goal uh, we've got raised four just over four hundred dollars and uh, we would love for you to pledge during sustainability now right now so go to forwardradio.org i want to thank again stephen bartlett for coming in and tooting his horn for us and sharing some of uh, what sustainable ag louisville does here with us on forward radio and i want to thank you all for tuning in and uh, i will be back in your ears again in one week's time till then be well my friends Thank you.